Mama. Don't you touch it with that hand. You got a dirty hand. Don't you dare touch it. <laughs> what is so funny? Can you say, Mama? No, Mama. Okay, dad is good. Mama. <laughs> Don't you touch it with that hand. You got a dirty hand. Hey guys, and welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents with your host, Douglas Hainer, my amazing husband, and Yay. myself, Jamie Otis Hainer. And we are so pumped to have you here with us today. I am like beyond thrilled. So first of all, I got to tell you that Doug and I both like started the new year with two new um, missions, I guess, uh, or goals, I guess you would say. And one being Doug's is this kid's YouTube channel. Hanging with the Hainer kids. He's killing it. I mean, these videos are unbelievable. And even so our- So much fun. Yeah. Even our own kids love them. They're educational. They're fun. And, you know, he quit his job. He's a stay-at-home dad now. Yes. And Thank loving you. it. Yeah. Are you? I really am. I really, I never- I never would have thought of being a stay-at-home dad, but I realized that it's just as important as really a full-time job. I mean, I'm contributing as much as I possibly can, and I hope to contribute a lot more, and I get to stay home with my kids, and it's, yeah, I'm really enjoying it, but I'm super passionate about this YouTube channel. I really, really do love it, and we're pumping videos out. Yeah. So if you want to take a peek at that, that's hanging with the Hainer kids. If you want your kids to watch educational content instead of like mind numbing content, then definitely recommend subscribing to that because that was the whole point of the page. But also I like, I don't know, selfishly want to capture Henley and Hendrix and our future kids like at every stage of life. And that's kind of how we're going to do it. But also I launched this program and it's very like raw, but become body positive is something that I've been really interested in since I, well, honestly, I've struggled with feeling confident and like self image issues for my whole entire life. And what's really interesting is that I haven't been quote unquote overweight um, for the majority of my life. But for some reason I felt it like when I was a cheerleader, of course I felt like I was too big cause I was the base and not the flyer. And then later on, you know, after I had Henley, I thought that I didn't quote unquote bounce back. And now that after I've had Hendrix and I'm literally like 40 to 50 pounds heavier than my normal weight, I'm like, girl, you bounced back with Henley. I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> then. And, you know, it's just interesting how our body size and shape really affects our psyche. And I don't think it's okay. I feel like the reason that we are us, and I talk about women in particular, and when I say we, we're so down and out about ourselves if we're not a certain shape or size or image. And I'm like trying to kind of get to the bottom of it with become body positive. But more importantly, I'm trying to learn how to embrace and love myself as is. And I'm trying to help more women feel that same way. And I literally just launched a founding members program and I wasn't sure what was going to happen with it. I only had a limited spot. Like I didn't want more than a hundred people to be a part of it because I really wanted to be like a small intimate group. No joke within 24 hours, less than 24 hours actually. Yeah. I sold out and I was like, oh my God, I had no idea so many women were so interested in yeah, this. You couldn't close it out fast enough. I literally, so then I like was like, okay, let me add 10 more spots because I was going to let it go up till midnight and it was like one o'clock in the afternoon and it was sold out. So I was like, okay, well, let me add 10 more spots just so that, you know, it goes a little bit further. I'm so proud of you. It sold out again within like two hours. And so I was like, okay. 
clearly there's a need for this. I really wanted the founding members, which is just a group of people. They're already, you know, in, and I'm so excited to get to meet them. I I really wanted that to be small and intimate so I could really truly get to know them. But Become Body Positive is in the works. I want to let you know, if you're listening, that we are going to launch probably in February, uh, the actual course. I wanted to give myself a little bit of time to actually create the modules and the activities and whatnot. But You're doing so well. Thank you. you, I've never seen you work harder for anything in your life. And it really is amazing to watch. Thank you. Honestly. The success and and just just the amount of people that you are inspiring. And it does show with how many people had signed up to be a founding member, it does show that there is a need out there for this. And I really, really do praise you for what you're doing. Thank you. I feel like, you know, it's honestly nice for me to know that I'm not alone. Like I struggle with body image and I'm trying my hardest to be confident and to love myself exactly as I am. But I'm, you know, of course, like when like there's a billion dollar diet industry being thrown in your face daily and like there's this ideal weight of, you know, a Kim Kardashian body or, you know, super skinny is beautiful. And then it's like, wait a minute, I just had a baby and I look like this or I had a baby 10 years ago and I look like this. Like, am I not beautiful? And I just like feel like Absolutely not. Like, I feel like we are beautiful as we are. And I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it with Become Body Positive. So I'm super pumped to roll that out. But before we get to anything about anything, we got to give a five-star review. Yes. And after the five-star review, we have something very exciting for you. Not just our guests today, but my parents are going to have their own little corner on Hot Marriage Cool Parents because they are the most opinionated people when it comes to married at first sight and dishing on all the couples. First of all, I just have to make it clear that Bonnie's opinions are not my opinions. Or mine. Yes, those are just Bonnie's opinions. Yes, but before we get to that, and for anybody, thank you so much for any review that you give to us. And we love giving a shout out to our five-star reviewers. So this week comes from Seriously35, who writes, I have watched Jamie since The Bachelor. I love your story. The honest, raw, real talk. I'm all about sharing your truth and helping others. I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse, and I could say one of the very few people who have been able to confront my abuser. Long story, but I was catching up on some episodes, and when my abuser died, Jamie shared something about her story, and I bawled. I related. I am so grateful for my friend therapy with you. Yes, I see a real therapist, but it's great to know I'm not alone with all my weird thoughts and craziness, LOL. I love your family. Oh my goodness. That is probably the most heartfelt review that I've ever heard. Yeah, that's amazing. That is incredible. And I feel like I just want to give her a big hug. Mm -hmm. I wish I could just go to her right now and give her a big hug. A seriously 35 hug. Why do you have to be so sarcastic all the time? I just want to give her a shout out. Oh, okay. Yep. I just really, truly want to give her a big hug because if anybody listening has struggled with, you know, sexual assault in any way, shape, or form, but especially molestation or rape, you know, you get it. Like, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just rough. But okay, well... Seriously, 35, girl, I'm giving you the biggest virtual hug right now. (laughs) And I love you. And I'm proud of you for confronting your offender. But 
Now, on a different note, we are going to bring Big Doug and Bonnie on. And like we said, Bonnie's opinions are not ours, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she is definitely opinionated. We're going to recap Married at First Sight every single week. We're going to have Big Doug and Bonnie mm-hmm. on to recap Married at First Sight. They called us the night of Married at First Sight, and my mom just started spewing all of these words about the couples. And we're just like, hold those thoughts because we need this on the podcast. And I hope you guys get a kick out of it because we certainly did. Yeah. And then after we have Big Doug and Bonnie on to recap last night's episode of Married at First Sight, we are going to have on Danny, who is someone who has struggled with trying to conceive. She struggled with pregnancy loss. She has been through the gamut Mm -hmm. and she's sharing her story with us. I cannot wait to get to talk to her. So- We have a great episode for you for, for you for today. Let's get my parents on. Let's do it. So something that Jamie and I promised to do after every Married at First Sight episode, we are going to do a recap. And my mother had some very strong opinions about some of the couples this year. And I thought it might be fun to maybe get them on the phone each and every week to give their predictions and updates and their thoughts about the show. Because... They went through it too as parents, and I guess they're the OG parents. I mean, quite honestly, everyone just loves Doug and Bonnie, and you guys asked for more Doug and Bonnie, and Bonnie has some serious opinions about this year's couples. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome my amazing in-laws, Mr. Douglas and Bonnie Hayner. Yay. Round of applause, please. Hello, everyone. So for anybody new that's listening, these are my parents, obviously. I said they're my in-laws, Douglas. Jeez. Um, and they were also that part. They were your parents. That's right. They were also part of Merida First Sight One and the first year, and Jamie and Doug Plus One. And I wanted to quickly just ask you guys. So, watching the Merida at First Sight new seasons now, do you notice anything that's changed, or do you think there's anything better or worse about how they do the weddings? season, I feel, was the most real season, because nobody had any expectations of what was going to be, how it was going to be, how they would react with each other. I think now that we're on season 12, you know, it has become a little bit seasoned, and come on, people that get on now should know about Married at First Sight if they sign up for it. It's not that they're blind to, you know, (laughs) what they're getting into. Are you saying that we were the bravest ones? Yeah, I think it was the real, it was the real thing. You know, I don't, I I just think that, just like I said, I think that people from season two to season 12, you know, they have to know a little bit about what goes on. And arranged marriages aren't anything new. You know, it happens with, Couples, all the, you know, what is it, mostly India, places like that, they all have arranged marriages. Yeah, no, it really isn't anything new. As a matter of fact, I feel like it was more common back in, you know, the historic days, I should say, to have an arranged marriage more so than to pick your own partner. Um, but That's diving it. right. It all depends on the dowry. That, How big the dowry was to right. take the woman off your hands. And if you're watching but 90 Day Fiance. That's how the show started out. It was like, you know, that's one of the things that were said that, you know, arranged marriages happen all the time. Well, not in season one. That was completely bizarre, completely brand new. 
Nobody knew what to expect. There were no agendas. Now it's season 12 and probably season 8 through 12, everybody's got an agenda when they started out. You know, and does it capture everyone? Yes. It's still the following. And the reason it's season 12 is because everybody still saying, geez, how could they go through this? But I don't think it's like legit. Even now, you know, the little <laughs> bit that I did watch, I just said, you know, wow, Jamie's got, you know, uh, three girls that were on. One was very religious and God-fearing and, you know, practically came in. You know, she was like, hi, come on. She, started, <laughs> uh, she, she was in the eye <laughs> She was in a dress that, you know, she might have been naked. <laughs> okay, you know, so we're talking about Paige. Nice. You know, the, uh, the blonde was... Cara, her name Cara. Clara, Clara, Clara. You know, she hadn't had a relationship in 10 years. And, you know, as hard as she seemed to be, she's not going to have another one. <laughs> and even the one with the dark hair, the uh, uh, other girl, Brianna. Brianna, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? You came in there laughing at it. as a parent. I probably would have left then and said, yes, this is a joke joke. Okay. Yeah, from someone who was watching from afar. <laughs> well, I thought she was pretty hot. Oh, okay. You well, know, you didn't and then say I, that. I said, let me see, you know, and this poor guy's got to come in there and he's the same as thing could be and probably wow two different personalities and they want this to work i don't think so okay so let's back up and break it down a little bit so you guys are talking about married at first sight unfiltered and last week i married at first sight unfiltered i had brianna who is married to vincent uh clara who gets married to ryan and Paige, who gets married to Chris. Now they're they're talking about and the lulu i call them who Lala and Lulu. She's in La La Land and he's a loop-de-doo. Which one is that? <laughs> that that's Paige and Vincent. I think Paige is like comes off as she's like high. That that's know. exactly what everything is wonderful. You want that laugh all the time doing this? No, that was Clara. Clara laughed a lot. I like her. No, that's actually, I think you guys are thinking, the one who laughed a lot during her wedding the was one, right. She's the Virginia. One was, uh, the dark-haired one with yeah. the pilot. Yeah, she yeah. kept okay. laughing at her. But no, I said the same thing to Jamie. I think that Paige was just, she sounds like she's high. Everything is like, hi, yeah, I'm so excited. Everything is wonderful. He could have, I don't care if he has bad breath in the morning. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, rewind a little bit because we did get to see the weddings last week. And I'm so pumped to talk about the weddings with you guys because I know you guys watched. And also, I mean, I feel like. I don't know. I feel like I just, you know, on Unfiltered, I don't really get to give an opinion too much. But here on the podcast, you know, I'm just happy to chat with you guys about it. We like save this conversation for the podcast because I want it to be real and authentic. So let's start off with Clara and Ryan. So Clara is a white blonde female and Ryan is a... A black uh, guy. Well, a very light-skinned black guy, but yes, they are our first interracial. I thought, I thought he was very, very handsome. He is very and handsome. I thought he was, you know, you can't really go by just a few minutes that they're allowed to talk and, and this and that, but I just thought from his background and that everything, you know, he was very true. He and did. I liked Clara because she, she just, that's what she feels, and I think they would compliment each other. 
Okay, you know, I love. I, I, I like them. I really, really. Although she has to calm her talking a little bit. <laughs> she's, a, she's a little chatty, Kathy. Yeah, she is. You know? But she she's admitted that in her vows. I, I really don't think that Ryan was expecting her to be so chatty. But I think that her chattiness and his quiet. I think they'll make a good. In fact, I gave them a thumbs up. After you, their marriage. All right. So I, I thought he was very creative in wearing the mask, you know, putting the masks on and just holding her hand and standing there for a while. I have, and, I have a theory about uh, that. And this just completely comes from my mind and nowhere else. But I think they sort of knew that they were going to be an interracial couple, like an interracial marriage. And how did they know that? I don't how know. Do you think like they knew it's, that? it's my theory. Why else would they wear a blindfold other than when, you know, when Ryan walks out, he's going to see a whole bunch of white people. And when Clara comes out, he's, she's going to see kind of like a half white, half black. I think they wore the mask just to hear each other in the beginning and not see that they were going to be an interracial couple. I don't know. But she said that color didn't matter. That she dated, you know, all shapes and sizes. Yeah. I honestly, Doug, I have to kind of debunk that because I do obviously have a little bit of inside information, which is honestly not a lot, but a little bit with Unfiltered. And they genuinely had no idea, like, if they were white, black, Hispanic, whatever. So he just wanted, he thought it was a cool idea to do the, it was his idea to wear the masks. And he thought it was just a cool idea to truly, like, I don't know, to see each other for the very first time, which honestly, you see each other for the very first time anyways, but he thought it was nice yeah, to see each other. I, I, I just thought it was a, it was a unique thing to do. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. It's honestly, it's like the Married at First Sight logo, so it was kind of cool. But okay, so we've talked a lot about Claire and Ryan. I... Okay, so Bonnie gives them the big thumbs up. And honestly, I want to give them a big thumbs up. I am scared that maybe her personality might overshine and like, I don't know. Right. Well, that's what I said. She's a chatty Kathy. She's got a, you know, but, you know, in the big, I can't go back to you guys. I mean, Doug was a nervous wreck. Mm-hmm. So he was a little bit more chatty than you. <laughs> Yeah, he was sweatier. He was sweatier. He was just sweatier. He really was sweatier. I'm always chatty. um, (laughs) I just think that if she calms her chattiness, but I think that was her nervousness. Oh, 100%. And you know what's really interesting, Bonnie, is that when I watched this first, I didn't know any of them. It was prior to going out to shoot the very first episode of Unfiltered. Uh And I honestly didn't think, this is so honest, but I did not think that I would like jive well with her. Like I just kind of thought that we wouldn't quite get along because she's kind of extra. But I, now that I've met her, I absolutely love her extraness. Like it's just who she is and she's not like playing it up or hamming it up for the cameras. Like Exactly. And that's how I felt that way too. That's why I gave them a thumbs up. Yeah, I listened, I listened to Pastor Cal, you know, and some of the reasons why they put them together. And I can understand she is so outgoing. He's a little bit more reserved. So, you know, they would compliment each other. And I think her chattiness was a lot because he, I mean, he was looking at her kind of like, all right, let's, let's calm your voice. Let's calm down. <laughs> you know, I, I saw that and it was like, you know, he was look, like looking at her saying, what am I getting myself into with this, you know, parrot? 
But um, I just think that was her nerve. And I yeah. really I really hope that they make it, because I thought they were a cute couple. They are, they honestly. They a whole bunch of stuff, though. She was, anyway. It's almost like she's at her bitter end, and I don't care what, how, any anything, what anybody looks like. I just want to find someone that I can click. And she's really trying to bet that the sponsors... You know, the experts work right. Like, we, you know, we're right. They they know, you know, the that she's really relying on them because it seems like she had such a hard life the way she said it. Trying to find a date. Right. But, you know, it right. seems like it was like, I can't, nothing works with me. Yeah, she's like, so sign me like, up for you know, anybody and I'm in. find something that, that she could work with or he could work with. Yes. But didn't you, Jamie, didn't you like the comment that he said, what are you nervous about? What's your biggest and fear? And me falling in love and you not loving me back. Oh, yeah. I felt so bad when she said that. Yeah, I know. And so was like, well. Who'd you feel bad for, her? I felt so bad for her because he's never said he loved anyone, right? He yeah. never said he loved yeah. anyone. Yeah, so that that's so. going to be a couple to watch. Now, Dad, are you giving them a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Uh, completely even on that. What would it's, you it's, but I, All right, she was ditzy. I give them a thumbs down. Okay, <laughs> all right. So the next couple, Brianna and yeah. Vincent, who seem to get along right from the start. Um, right, right from the get I yeah. like them completely. Yeah, and... I like uh, them completely. Brianna is a bossy boss boss person. No, she's an engineer, and uh, he was a car negotiator. Yeah, yeah. He's got the beard and the bald head. Yes, he has the beard and the bald head. Yeah, yes, yes. I I like them. Okay, so we're both giving uh, them a thumbs up. I gave them a thumbs up, even when now I watched. All of the first Married at First Sight, you know, when Kevin Frazier did the recap of the night. Mm-hmm. And I I went along with the first girl. I forget what her name was, but she was with the magazine. And um, she and I both gave thumbs up to that couple. Oh, yes. Yes. I know what you're talking about. That was a special. Uh, I can't recall. That was the one that Doug and I were on, right? Yep. With a bunch of other Married at First Sight yeah. alum. Alumni? Uh, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, it was. I take it back. Shut up, Doug. Yes, it, I remember that. Yes, it was. I really... But I don't like I gave the thumbs up because I really liked them. I thought it was very, very cute that he wanted to cook together. And, yeah. You know, he was a little bit taken back when she didn't like meat. But uh, <laughs> I think they're going to make it. Brianna and Vincent, so you give them a thumbs up. How about yeah, you? I, I'm giving them a thumbs up, and I think that they're going to be a good couple. I give them a thumbs up, too. Okay. All yeah. right. We got Big Doug and Bonnie agreeing on a couple. I like it. How about Virginia and Eric? Now, this is a controversial. Well, let's forget them. Let's just throw them right out. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie. I never, I, I, I don't know what they were thinking when they matched those two. You know, I can understand that he's a little reserved, but she's a wacko. <laughs> I'm sorry. She never once did they show you a, a time when she didn't have a drink in her hand. And I don't know if you saw his mother looking at her and if looks could kill. Okay. I, I, I don't think they're going to make it at all. All right, Bonnie. But I think the same could be said about you and me at one point. So, and here uh, we are. Hey, 
I always, Jamie, I always thought a lot about you. You said I didn't like you, but I really did. No, not that you didn't like it. You were very quizzical or skeptical. Well, okay, okay, but I, I saw it on YouTube, all the YouTube things, and, you know, I saw Jamie crying. You didn't see that. If you saw that, then you would have probably been even a little harsher. No, no, no. Even when we first met, she came to our house. When Jamie came to our house, gave the diabetic all the chocolate. <laughs> you know, that was fine. I was okay with all that. And then you just had your questions. If you're number one, you're firstborn. You were gonna. You you wanted the best, and I'm going. He just got the best until you know it was like okay, the little things I go, but Doug needed that push in the right direction, and that I needed to... But, but yes, be quiet, be quiet. Inquisitive, yes, I was. I'll I, you, Shut up. But <laughs> and she was really, I mean, if you would have been there drinking the whole entire time, I would have thought, oh my God, this girl really has a drinking problem. And I mean, I don't know if you saw how she acted, I mean, she was like almost raping him on camera. She couldn't keep her hands on. Now, I think in only one other episode we saw where the bride and groom couldn't keep their lips off each other. And we won't mention that. Uh, Please do mention. Because I'm trying to remember now who you're talking about. No, Jamie wouldn't let Doug kiss her. <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't us. Don't get too close. Don't get too close. <laughs> I barely got a hug. Grandpa Joe got more action than Doug did on our wedding day. <laughs> I I think he felt so uncomfortable. Like he looked completely oh, uncomfortable. Don't you remember like Juicy? Is it Juicy? Is that how you pronounce it? Jeffy? Oh, Jeffy. Jeffy. Yes. Shawnee. That's how, I mean, he was embarrassed when she was giving him the lap dance, even though it was kind of cute. Yeah. But this guy was like, his whole family was there, a Southern family. Conservative. this girl, like, rape him. Yep. And it was like, you know, trying to laugh it off. And uh, I would have, you know, had a lot to say. <laughs> I, the mother just got quiet. Yep. Yeah, she, I, I think. Her looks could, if her looks could kill, woo! Yeah, I'm curious to see how they end up because I, I give them a thumbs down. Oh, Definitely. Definitely. But, you know, her friend said, oh, no, who was it? Clara, was it? Or Paige said, oh, no, she's ready to settle down. You know what? I don't think so. The interesting thing about her is that she's very young and he's a lot older. Like, he's a pilot. And she's really young. He's over this. He's over this going out and partying and, and everything else. I mean, it's not to say that, you know... There'll be some compromise. That he won't go out and have a good time, but that's not, you know, when you get married, it, it's fun and all, but that's not an all the time thing. Yeah, I think they'll be very, very wrong fun. That I said it, but I think she had like an agenda with this, where you guys had no agenda because you were just everybody was just starting out then, and then here we're at season twelve, and you match these two people up, and it's like, are you kidding me? She just wants the fame and fortune right now, or to be seen for a while. And that's what you think. Yeah, well, I don't. That's what yeah. I, think, but I don't I, know. To be that giddy the whole time, I would have said this is a joke, and uh, you know, I don't need to. 
bad for that. She seemed I mean, I to just... be genuinely into him. And I don't know, I, I do think that they were matched up. I mean, everybody gets matched up based on whatever they say. And I think that she was really into him. I don't think she was putting anything on. I just, I, the you only thing think, I took is she was into him. I do. I and, think that was her drunkenness. Uh, yeah, well, that and, too, maybe. You know, then that's her nerves. Right. And but, well, drunkenness nerves. The but, only thing I what? took issue with is her eyeshadow. That's the only thing I took issue with that whole wedding. That was like back in the 1400s. <laughs> but you know what? On her defense, since she's not here, I, I feel like when you're so nervous because you're marrying a complete stranger, the fact that she left with the eyeshadow like that, like that just goes to show that she might be actually more genuine and real than we, than any of us even think because, because she didn't like, care about her appearance whatsoever whereas clara was like my hem is too short i couldn't wear the shoes that i wanted to wear you know like that so i don't know it's there's like pros and cons to everything um i know but i i just think there's i mean it doesn't mother is furious uh, yeah the mother i can tell is furious but she was just she played with her hair constantly i mean i know you're nervous but that was when you saw from the beginning when they were getting ready for the wedding she had shots at that time. She had three or four or five shots. Yeah. Then she was drinking something else. Then she goes to the wedding. You know, I mean, how much can you, you, you can't be that immune to alcohol if you have so much before you get married. So I, I don't know. I think she had no, uh, it took away her nerves, all the drinking. I think that's you why know, she was crying. Remember, she was crying so much before she got married, and she couldn't stop crying. Yes, I feel like she was hungover before I she even she got was married. Walk away before it even she went down the aisle. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't do this. No, I get what am I doing? You know, just to her father. Well, Jamie, Jamie got married and cried on the floor. Remember, Jamie? <laughs> no one was supposed to see me though because yeah, I tried hiding. <laughs> I, t- I tried hiding from the camera, and then of course they find you. Those jerks. Of course they do. But anyways, I, you know, I really, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, where the three of those experts come up with the matches that they do. But I wish everybody, you know, I I wish they were all happy. But I, I just, you know, I didn't like them from the beginning when they were first matched, and I still. Don't like them. Okay, so Don't let's like move them. on to Paige. Maybe there should be a fourth expert. Oh, yeah, maybe I should be there. <laughs> Did you guys see Paige and Chris get married? No, it's on next episode. It's on the next episode. Oh. I gave them, when I first saw the match, I gave them a, a thumbs down immediately, mm. immediately, because she was too la-la, <laughs> and he was too, you know, how could you think that you're going to fall in love with someone when you just were broken engagement two months before. Yeah. I, I don't know. Also, all he seems to care about is the way she looks and this, even his That's family. Exactly right. Even I his family. Sexy and kinky. Come on. Yeah. That is actually very concerning for me too. Uh, we'll have to talk about that next week, but uh, thanks for recapping the first three weddings that we got to see. Clara and Ryan, Brianna and Vincent, and Virginia and Eric. So, so far you think two thumbs up with Clara and Ryan and Brianna and Vincent and one thumbs down, Virginia and Eric. Right. 
right. I think it's going to be a good season. I, you know, I do too. I, just, I always hope that everything, you know, works out for everybody. Yeah. But I don't know. They were just too different. Just too different. Yeah. The okay. pilot and uh, whatever she is. Yeah, I think they're just, definitely going to be a couple to watch, and I can't wait to have some of the scenes where his family and his mom and dad get to hang out with his wife. Mm-hmm. That should be fun. But mom, dad, I love you. And thank you for coming on. And we will talk to you. Well, we'll probably talk to you like tomorrow, but everybody else will hear from you after the next Married at First Sight episode. Cal Henley and Hendricks. We love them and give them big kisses. Will do. We love you so much. Okay. Love you guys too. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Take care. Mama Hainer does not hold back. Nope, never has, never will. No, she doesn't. And I'm only getting used to it just about, I don't know, almost seven years into our marriage. <laughs> now I'm like, yep, that's just Bonnie. <laughs> yep. Well, I think it's about time that we get our guest on today. Yeah, real fast. I wanted to actually give an update on my nephew, baby Trevor. Oh, yeah. Quick story about this. My sister, Leah, she went into labor on Thanksgiving. She went into the hospital the actually the night of Thanksgiving. And she was 29 weeks pregnant. Obviously, that's super early to be giving birth. But in any case, she ended up giving birth to my baby nephew, Trevor, who was born at just over 29 weeks pregnant. He stayed in the NICU for six weeks and he just was sent home with a clean bill of health. So proud of my sister Leah and I'm so excited to one day meet Trevor. Obviously with COVID, I haven't been able to meet him yet, but he's getting stronger and healthier day by day. And that leads us into our guest, Danny, who is representing and chatting with us about March of Dimes. And I'm just pumped to get Danny on the podcast because she has quite the story. I think that you're going to really, really resonate. And just even if you haven't struggled with pregnancy loss or like trying to conceive or early pregnancy or preterm labor, I think you're going to find her story so inspiring. Yeah, and, just- and January is birth defects prevention month. So there's a lot of knowledge that we learned from Danny, uh, especially leading up to a pregnancy. And her story was just very compelling and certainly a heartwarming story after a heart-wrenching beginning. Okay, real quick, before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors and one that Jamie and I never really discussed or talked about, and I feel like some families may not talk about this, is setting up a trust or a will. Now, after having our second baby Hendrix and after getting another house, Jamie and I realized that we really needed to plan ahead of who gets what should anything happen to us. Where do your possessions go? What's your choice for medical care? which sounds super complex and expensive. Well, now it doesn't have to be thanks to the online estate planning experts at Trust and Will. And for Jamie and I, it was super easy to go to trustandwill.com, take the short quiz, and they actually customize the documents for your needs. And for as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, plan for the future medical care, all from the comfort of your own home. Plus, they have live customer support seven days a week, and trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions that you have. So if you are buying a home, having babies, building wealth, if you don't have a will or a trust in place as of this moment... Go to trustandwill.com slash HMCP and get 10% off plus free shipping on your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Go now. This is very, very, very important. Get 10% off plus free shipping 
at trustandwill.com slash HMCP, trustandwill.com slash HMCP. Now, our next sponsor is March of Dimes, and this is more of a raising awareness to help prevent birth defects among all women of childbearing ages and their family. Now, the theme for National Birth Defects Prevention Month for 2021 is best for you, best for baby. And healthy choices are more important now than ever, especially if you're trying to get pregnant in 2021, as we all continue to face the whole COVID-19 pandemic. And something, quite frankly, that hits very close to home, bringing a baby in during COVID-19. But some research shows that pregnant persons might have a higher risk for severe illness or death from COVID-19 compared to non-pregnant people. And birth defects can come from genetics, behavior, social and environmental factors, and not all birth defects can be prevented. But we do know that if we adopt certain healthy habits, it does increase your chance to have a healthy full-term pregnancy, like protecting yourself from COVID-19. Be sure to take 400 micrograms of folic acid every single day, which is a B vitamin proven to help prevent some of the major birth defects in brain and spine. Try to get pregnancy checkups. And of course, avoiding substances that are harmful during pregnancy, especially within the first trimester. So Jamie and I encourage you to join the conversation about National Birth Defects Prevention Month by following hashtag best the number four you best the number four baby on social media and visiting the March of Dimes website at marchofdimes.org or N-A-C-E-R-S-A-N-O.org, as well as the CDC, which is cdc.gov backslash birth defects to help educate and generate awareness among women of childbearing age and families about actions they can take to help prevent birth defects. You know, something that Jamie and I are certainly not shy to talk about is the benefits of therapy. Now, whether it's therapy for anxiety, depression, relationships, or really anything, I think 2020 taught us that being close and stuck at home can cause additional stress and additional anxiety, especially if you're on top of each other all the time. And something that Jamie and I are so fortunate that we found is Talkspace. And through Talkspace, you can actually sign up online and start therapy the very same day that you sign up, all from the comfort of your own home. You choose a plan, so whether you want to text, video, send voice messages to your licensed therapist, and they have over 40 different specialties. So whatever your goals are, if you are looking to help out your relationship, if you're looking to overcome any substance abuse or trauma, or just hoping to have a little help coping with the day-to-day life, especially after last year, definitely check out Talkspace. It's a fraction of the cost of what normal therapy would cost, and it's all from the comfort of your own home. You can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7, and they'll engage with you daily, five days a week, and it's completely secure, and they comply with the latest HIPAA regulation. So I stand by Talkspace. I know it's helped out Jamie and I in our relationship. And if this is something that connects with you, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. You can get $100 off your very first month at Talkspace. So to match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com, download the app, and make sure to use the code Jamie to get $100 off your first month. That's promo code Jamie when you go to Talkspace.com or download the app. 
Use the promo code Jamie and you get $100 off your first month. Yes. So without further ado, here is Danny. All right, guys. So today we have a very special guest named Danielle Kilgore. She goes by Danny and she's a mom and a huge advocate for March of Dimes, which has a very special place in my heart at the moment because of my nephew, Trevor. My sister was 29 weeks pregnant when she delivered him. Danny's story is absolutely heartwarming and heartbreaking all at the same time. She is such a strong woman and we cannot wait to chat with her. Danny, thank you. Welcome for, thank you for coming on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I guess I just would love to hear from your perspective, like exactly what happened on your journey to parenthood and what it was like trying to conceive for you. Yeah. So my husband and I have been married for 11 years. We have a five-year-old daughter right now, but um, she is what we would call our miracle baby. You know, our journey to becoming parents my journey to becoming a mother is one that um, was what we call a faith journey. I mean, it took a lot of faith. It took a lot of prayers to and a lot of trust to get to the point to where we um, have our daughter. I, my husband and I got married in November of 2009. And then shortly after we were married around, in February, I found out I was pregnant. And um, I was not as thrilled because my husband and I, who were, we had just been married for only a few months, I had just started teaching and my husband had just started working for our church. And so I like to say we had some very humble salaries at that time. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, oh no, we're not ready yet to be parents. We're, all, we're so young. I mean, we were in our 20s. We got married when we were 24. And so... It was like, I mean, I'm 25, and so I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to, this is going to be tough, this is going to be rough, and so I was kind of like going, you know, bonkers in my head, but then as I went to my first appointment, and you know, and the thought of having a baby, I mean, I just got so excited, and so that, um, all those, you know, concerns started to be overwhelmed by the joy and the excitement of being a mother, and um, unfortunately, six, maybe seven weeks into the pregnancy, um, I miscarried. And I was devastated. Yeah, I was extremely devastated. And I went from being, you know, not ready to be a mom to now I'm ready to be a mom, then to go to, oh, okay, actually, I'm not going to be a mom. And so it was really, really hard. I mean, that was a really hard time for me. It was a really hard time for my husband. You know, I have a sister that's nine years older than me and a half-brother that I'm 17 years older than him. And so we all pretty much grew up as, like, only children. And my husband comes from an extremely large family, comes from a family of eight. And so, you know, children, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, having a family, starting a family (laughs) was something really important to him. And so we were, you know, a little taken aback by that. And so we decided that, okay, let's take some time and focus on our marriage and, you know, get used to, you know, enjoy the, you know, honeymoon stage and each year of marriage and things like that, and that we would try again, you know, a few years after that. So in 2013, we decided to try again, and I got pregnant. And again, we were very excited. You know, my doctor, you know, kind of dismissed the first miscarriage as, oh, it's fine. It happens more often than you think it, it does. It's, it's totally fine. It's actually normal for women to miscarry early with their first pregnancy. And so I didn't like that. I yeah. just went ahead and trusted. <laughs> I don't know I how normal that is. You know, one in right, one in four. Right. And, I, <laughs> and so I just 
and I'm like, okay, well, why? And so I went ahead and uh, we, we found out I was pregnant and we were excited again. And then we found out it was going to be a boy. And that was super exciting. And so we decided to name him after my husband, William. And so his name was William Jr. And we were really excited. Around 20 weeks, I noticed some spotting. And then a few days later, I started to have what seemed to be a light period. Oh, no. And, yeah, I wasn't sure what was happening. And I called my doctor. My doctor told me to come in. They ran some tests took some samples and things of like that and all the results came back inclusive. They couldn't they didn't know what was wrong. They couldn't tell what was happening. The spotting and bleeding had stopped. And so I was a soccer coach and a teacher at that time and so they asked, well maybe, you know, pull back from the soccer coaching. And so I did that. I um allowed my assistant soccer coach at the time to take over and I stepped back from doing that and so you know we went on as if okay well maybe that was just something that we don't know what it was we took that as a praise report we thank God and we continued on but at 23 weeks I woke up with started waking up with these severe headaches um, headaches that were migraine headaches I, I remember um, on the day that I told my husband I needed to go to my doctor was when I felt like my head was about to explode. Mm. I was dizzy. I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, I was seeing spots. And so I called my doctor. Um, they were telling me, just lay down. Maybe you just woke up too fast or whatever. But after, you know, laying down for a few hours, nothing seemed to work. And so I called back. They said, well, why not go to a Walgreens or maybe go to the fire department and get your blood pressure taken? And I did. And my blood pressure was extremely high. And so we decided to go to the doctor's office. And at that time, I was with a private doctor's office. And so I went in and I told them about the blood pressure and how I was having these headaches. And my OB was not there at that time. And so they were trying to send me home. They were like, well, what about we send you home? They were going to do like a protein test where they wanted to check the protein in my urine. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that was. They were trying to send me home with all this equipment. And I, I just felt like something wasn't right. Something didn't seem right with my body. Something didn't seem right with what was happening. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't articulate it. I didn't have the knowledge or the expertise to describe what was happening. But I felt my body telling me something wasn't right. My mother taught me very early on for me to pay attention to the signs that my body tells me. When my body tells you, when your, your body will always give you signs about things that are happening and to make sure you know your body. And as a pregnant woman, that's even more important. And so, you know, I just was adamant. And, you know, the nurses, the nursing staff there and the front office receptionists, they just weren't really paying attention to me. They weren't seeing what I was saying as a serious you know, observation, serious concern. Right. I was being very dismissed. And I had to become a little irate and a little bit more assertively aggressive and letting them know I'm not leaving this office until a doctor sees me. Good for you. I don't care that my doctor, yeah, I don't care that my doctor's not there. I need someone to see. Well, it was good for me to do that and not my husband. And so, yeah. <laughs> because he, he was just, you know, he didn't know that I was having these different conversations like that. And so finally they went back, got a doctor who was available and he was like, come on back. I'll check you out. We'll see what it is. Very nonchalantly, very dismissive. The nurse took my blood pressure and she said, oh, and then she put me in a room. And then the doctor came in. He said, let's take a look. Let's check you out here. He took my blood pressure. 
And it was 156 over 110. Oh, or my goodness. Wow. And he said, I'll be right back. Um, and he came back in like five minutes and he said, okay, I've already called in to the hospital. I need you to go straight to the hospital. Don't go back home. Don't do anything. I need you to go straight to the hospital right now. And so my husband and I went to the hospital. They got us checked in about 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour later, that doctor showed up. And that's when he told us that I had preeclampsia and that preeclampsia was affecting my body and the baby and that I had to stay that I was supposed to stay in the hospital until I reached full term. And mind you, like I said, I was 23 weeks, 23 weeks. And so I'm like doing the, the math on yeah. my fingers, like, oh my goodness. Like, that's a long I'm gonna time. Be in the ho- that's a long time. Like, I'm going to be in the hospital for 17 weeks. Like, that's a pretty significant amount of time for you to be in the hospital. But I, you know, my husband and I, we talked and we said, okay, fine. And so um, we stayed in the hospital. I was on the high-risk mother's floor, and I was just there. And I was constantly being checked, constantly being monitored. But at 28 weeks, I was awakened by the nurse, and um, she had noticed something on her monitor. And she took some tests. I mean, she, she made some checks, checked some things, and she notified the doctor. The doctor came in, did his test, sent me downstairs to the ultrasound room, only to find out that my placenta had completely stopped working and that my son's heart rate had dropped. Um, And it was was dropping to the point to where they needed to do an emergency C-section. Otherwise, there was a potential that he would die inside of me. And that also my heart, my blood pressure was increasing greatly. And they were in fear that my preeclampsia will become eclampsia. And they said that that was also fatal. Yeah. And so I went into emergency C-section. They performed a classical C-section, which is the vertical incision versus the horizontal incision. Oh, wow. um, which, yeah, after the fact, they told me that they did that incision because of my son's size. He weighed one ounce less than a pound when he was born. Because of his heart rate and because of my blood pressure, they decided not to put any more I guess they didn't want to put stress on the body or for him to try to deliver vaginally. And so at that point, he went into the NICU and my husband and I lived about 45 minutes away from the hospital. And so every day we're going back and forth to the hospital. I stepped down from being a teacher so that I could spend more time at the hospital with my son. So now my husband is the sole breadwinner. So financially, it was was a little tight. And, you know, he was actually starting to do well. He was gaining weight. His lungs were extremely underdeveloped. That was the thing that was causing him the most issues. So he was on a breathing machine. He had gotten to a point where he was off of the breathing machine and he was doing well. But um, on October 31st, so he was born September 19, 2013, which was five days after my birthday. And um, he was put into the NICU on October 31st. He got pneumonia and they had to try to um, give him antibiotics and clear up infections and things like that. But that him getting pneumonia was the like almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. Um, He just could not recover from that. Mm -hmm. And though he fought, he tried really hard um, on November 8th that he, both his lungs collapsed. 
Mm. And um, they called, he defibbed. And so they tried to resuscitate him and they were unsuccessful. And so mm. um, on November 8, 2013, my son um, passed away. Oh and we were there. Yeah, we were there. And it was it was a hard time for us. It was extremely hard. I mean, we were... We were praying a lot. We had friends and families that would come up there and pray with us. And, you know, it just, it didn't happen the way we imagined. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the thought of losing your child is not something that you, you know, you never prepare for anyone's death. But, you know, you know that one day your grandparents or your parents are going to pass away. Even one day your spouse um, might pass away before you yourself or you before your spouse, but your children, that's not something you can fathom, prepare for. It's hard to comprehend. Or even want to think of. It's not the um, natural or the perceived natural order of things. Right. That your child would pass away, right? And so it was really hard. And I don't think it really hit me until maybe months after that that had happened. My husband and I, you know... We learned that during something like this, marriages tend to break. And sometimes they result in divorce and separation. But, you know, by the grace of God, our marriage didn't break. And matter of fact, it got stronger. Um, When I was weak, he was strong. When he was weak, I was strong. We, We supported each other. And I really believe that it's because of our belief and our faith. And it really grounded us. And it really helped us. And so between that and, you know, our friends and our family, our church family, going to group therapy, that was really big for us, my husband and I, being in a circle with people that this has happened with. You know, I think as a mother, you know, so much in history you see examples and signs or or not even signs. People say, have said, or emphasis has been on a mother or a woman's worth in her ability to give birth. Right. And not just give birth, but, you know, how many times she can give birth and can she have a vaginal birth? Like it's so much worth that is given to a woman based off of her ability to bear children. And so for someone like me who had experienced a miscarriage and now my son and and then premature birth and my son had passed away, you start to feel like something's wrong with you, Mm -hmm. that you're broken, that you're less than a woman. And so to be in those group therapy sessions with other women, other dads who had experienced this, you started to see how uncommonly common this was. Mm -hmm. And um, it helped us. It helped me. And, um, you know, me even having, you know, a therapist at that time as well, helping me to process through all of these things. It was very pivotal in my healing process. And so in um, May of uh, 2014 is when I got connected with March of Dimes and we did our first March of Dimes walk. And then we did this because I didn't want my son's death to be in vain. I wanted it to represent something. I wanted it to mean something. And what I found was when this happened, you know, a lot of people in my circle from college, from high school, neighbors, family, you know, they started to share, oh yeah, this happened to me. Or yes, I had a stillbirth. Or this, you know, yes, my mom, um, I was supposed to have a sister before this when my mom miscarried or or my dad uh, sibling died prematurely or, or all of these different yeah. things came up and it's like wow why don't people talk about this but and for me I think the biggest issue was that the people who I was talking to were African-American the majority mm-hmm. of these people 
that were sharing their stories about this happening to them were African-American. And so for me, as an African-American woman, that was an issue. That was a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I started to research and I started to want to find, I wanted to know answers. Like, why did this happen? Why can't no one explain why I had a miscarriage and now I had my son early and he passed away? What was it? What's going on? And March of Dimes had like this platform, not platform, this, this space on their website where it had all these different statistics and, and articles and things like that. And I saw all the different disparities in the African-American community and just communities of color in general and how the statistics of African-American women and the rate for deaths and stillbirths and premature births and things like that was pretty high. And for me, they showed those statistics and they gave me things to think about. But then also, March of Dimes gave me an opportunity to take my grief and to take my sadness and to turn it into stories of hope and stories of courage and to show that, no, you're not a broken woman. You're not less than. But matter of fact, you're part of a sorority of mothers who are strong, who yes. have endured something. And we're going to walk with you. We're going to walk together and we're going to do this in solidarity of all of the babies that have passed away, all of the babies that were fighting for their lives and made mm-hmm. it, all of the babies that you never got to meet. And so uh, that was another part of the healing process for me. And so um, that happened, you know, my son passed away in 2013, 2014. After that walk, my husband and I decided, hey, you know what, let's just try again. And so we tried again in 2014, only for me to miscarry one more time. And, mm-hmm. you know, aye, I was aye. devastated. To the point where my husband and I made the decision, okay, well, maybe we need to think about what life looks like with it just being us. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not meant for us to be, you know, parents to biological children. And, I mean, we were looking at, well, would we ever adopt? Would we ever foster? Yeah, we're looking at all these different things. And we decided that, okay, you know what? It's okay. Life with you and I is good enough. We married each other because we felt called to each other. We fell in love with each other. And that's good enough. And And Danny, we were fine. Oh, sorry. uh, Danny. What kind of brought you over that hump? And, and first of all, and I just want to, you know, our hearts go out to you. Yeah, I cannot imagine all that you've gone through. But to, you know, overcome and and really take the step, well, no pun intended with March of Dimes, but I think it takes a really, really strong person and strong unit to really get over that and to turn it into something and, and raise awareness yeah. because- Quite frankly, when we lost our son, you know, it was almost the same thing. Doctors will tell you one in four. It's common. There's no answer. And, you know, we're a society that looks for answers. If something's wrong, we fix it. If something's a, a matter, it's because of something, you know, you connect the dots. And when it's kind of up in the air, you don't really have anything to turn to. And I think a lot of people, and I, I really believe the reason why it's not spoke about enough is because doctors sort of downplay it. They just say it's common. And, you know, for anybody that's grieving, you don't have a sense of closure really until you find other people like you. And you realize that there are a lot of people out there that just don't bring it up because I mean, why would you bring it up unless somebody else says that, yeah, I just suffered a loss. And you're like, oh yeah, we did too. And you hate to feel isolated when these things happen. And Mm -hmm. I know we tried to raise uh, awareness from it. And I just really want to commend you for really raising awareness and and taking this step. I appreciate that. Thank you. And you know, you brought up a good point. The fact that doctors do 
they give you these statistics, one in four, they tell you how common this is. And what they don't realize is that they are doctors and what's common to them is not common to the average person. You know, they experience miscarriages for mothers. This is your field that you're in. Of course, it's common for you to see this, to experience this, to the point to where maybe you become, you know, a bit disconnected from it. It's almost numb when a parent comes in. But for the person who's experiencing it, this is a devastation. This is a loss. And I think what happens is that doctors forget to be human and forget to connect with the person as a human, as a person who's grieving as a loss versus seeing them as a chart number. And I believe that that's what happened in my case. You know, we decided that in 2014, we're going to just, you know, it's just going to be my husband and I. And what changed? Took a vacation. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We, well, you know, I think I was at a point where I was done with the hurting and the pain and the devastation, the hope, you know, the tennis match of, oh, I'm going to serve hope. And then, you know, life serves me disappointment back. I think I was done with that game. And so, and my husband, he couldn't take seeing me go through that again. He didn't want me to keep going through that. And so we just made that decision that, okay, well, I, I think we're good enough with just us. And so we were done and we planned a vacation to Las Vegas. And it's funny because, you know, the saying says what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But, you know, that's not necessarily true because, you know, I what came back with us was, uh, surprise, you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's awesome. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> this was not a planned pregnancy. We weren't, like, trying to get pregnant. And, um, I always wondered if it was that, that mindset, you know, where people <laughs> that give up on trying that next time they seem to get pregnant. If it's kind of just, you know, when you're not trying, it happens. And when you're really, really trying, yeah. it's like watching, you know, boiled water. <laughs> right, right, right. Waiting for that pot to boil. It never boils. That's what I meant. <laughs> if you put it on and just walk away, watch TV, and you're like, oh, shoot, and you come back, all the water's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your house is about to catch on like fire. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we found out I was pregnant, but this pregnancy, however, you know, a slew of anxiety attached to it for me, though. There um, was her. I was her. really nervous about it. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I was, yeah, I was extremely nervous. I was anxious. I, I, you know, I had fear going to the bathroom because I didn't want, like every time I felt something, I'm like, oh God, I miscarried. Like it was that every moment until I just had to really, for me, I had to just turn that over to God. I'm like, okay, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to experience this. I don't want this to be the experience that my pregnancy is like. I want there to be some joy in it. I did not have the picture perfect pregnancy. I did not have that, but I didn't want it to be full of, you know, fear and anxiety and things like that either. Um, At this time, I was no longer with the private doctor, and now I was with Kaiser. And, you know, I also had a doctor of color. And the first appointment that I went to, this doctor, the first thing he said was, I see on your chart you have experienced a lot of losses. And I want to just let you know, I am so sorry for that. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine how hard that was. Oh, my gosh. And I'm so sorry. 
And I th- that was the first time that a doctor had connected to me. Yeah. To who I was. And that doctor, he said, you know, any question that you have, he, he explained different things. He explained options. He told me, he said, I see that you had a classical cesarean. Was that by choice? And I said, well, I didn't know I had a choice. And he said, well, and he said, so you are aware that you'll have to have another, if you give birth with this child, it will also be a cesarean. I didn't know this. Mm. So I was, I was never given choices. I was never told about my options. My previous doctors were Caucasian doctors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time when I was trying to convince them that something was wrong, you know, at that moment, I felt like they were looking at me as someone who didn't know what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was being labeled as an angry black woman. You know, the, oh, you're fine. Well, oh, it's common with my first miscarriage. I was really dismissive. But in this case, with the doctor of color who seemed to care about me, mm-hmm. it was just different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went on and I had my daughter at 35 weeks. I had a high-risk doctor. I I was like at the doctor's office like every week, it seemed like. But it was because, I don't, and I don't know if it was because of previous things that had happened to me or if this was just the natural practice of Kaiser OBs or whatever. But, you know, every doctor's office, every doctor's appointment I went to, the nurses and the physicians were very thorough in talking to me about what was going to happen and what my choices was. I remember on the day that I was to uh, have my child, it wasn't planned. I went in for a regular doctor's appointment with my high-risk OB, and he came in and he had done a test and he said, okay, um, I think it's a good day to have a baby. And we were like, huh? (laughs) <laughs> and they said, well, you know, <laughs> they said, this test that we just took, you know, we see last week your daughter responded this way and her heart rate jumped up to this. But this week we see a slight decline in her response. And to me, what that means is the placenta is at the early stages of quitting. And he said, and so what might be happening is your preclampsia might be starting to show up. And he said, and so I believe that, you know, she's at 35 weeks and that if we give birth at 35 weeks, here are some things that could happen and this, this, and this. And he went on to give me all this information, all of these things. And he said, now, um, I will walk out of the room to let you and your husband, you know, discuss this. And I'll be back in about, what, 10, 15 minutes. Do you think that's enough time? I mean, I, my husband and I were shocked. We yeah. didn't know how to respond. You're like, I we, have a choice. We, I have options. I, yeah, like I have a choice. And so it was, <laughs> we decided to go ahead and, and do the C-section and we went to the hospital. My daughter was born at 35 weeks. She was a little less than four pounds when she was born, but she didn't have to have a breathing machine. Oh, she didn't great. have to, her lungs were developed enough to where she could breathe on her own. She was really, I mean, only thing she had to do was fatten up. And, you know, we were from the South, you know, we lived in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. We live in California now. But my mother-in-law was like, okay, well, that means you need to uh, start eating some grits and some cornbread and that, so that breast milk gets a little bigger. <laughs> Add a little extra uh, hot greens in that for you. <laughs> so so she, that milk can get a little thicker. And so she did get bigger. But as a result of her being born at 35 weeks, she did get sensorineural hearing loss. And mm. so she does wear bilateral hearing aids. But, I mean... 
other than that, my daughter is healthy. She's in kindergarten. She's reading. She Aww. she loves all things pink. She loves to dance. She loves to sing. Aww. I mean, she is a blessing. She's what we call a walking miracle because she has no idea what it took to get her here. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we, we call um, our journey to motherhood, to parenthood, our faith journey, because it took some major faith, prayer, trust to get to this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's a blessing to see her for sure. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. that And finding the right doctor. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So there's a few things I wanted to just, before we let you go, I wanted to just chat with you about and like just real fast. I wanted to talk about, well, first of all, how March of Dimes helped. Cause I know you mentioned that they were really, really helpful in supporting you. I would love to hear more about this. Cause I know that January yeah, yeah. is, isn't January, January preterm is labor birth defects prevention month, like awareness yeah, month. Yeah, Jan- uh-huh, yeah, January is Birth Defects Prevention Month. Yeah, it is. And, you know, again, like I said, March of Dimes was my starting point. They gave me research. They gave me statistics. They gave me, they helped me to start asking the questions about why was this happening to so many African-American mothers? And, and, you know, not everything pointed me to the answers as to why, but, you know, from all of the different information that they provided and then me doing my own research, you know, it gave me a starting point. Mm-hmm. March of Dimes gave me a starting point. It gave me back hope. It gave me back control. It told me that I had rights as a mother. Like they provided all this information that you could connect to different links to other places you can go and stuff like that. And so March of Dimes was like a hub for information for me. And then, like I said, you know, us starting the walk, we call the walk now, we call our name for the March of Dimes walk that happens in May, Teen Kilgore, because, you know, we have experienced miscarriages, we've experienced the premature birth and the death of our son, and then my daughter was born prematurely. And so we have a team (laughs) of Kilgore kids, some that we met and some that we didn't get to meet. And so we walk in solidarity and in remembrance of them. Mm. And it, yeah, we call it the Teen Kilgore Walk. And so March of Dimes has been that for us. And so this month for January, March of Dimes decided to partner with the CDC, the Center for Disease and Control, to educate parents-to-be on the steps that they can take to minimize the risk of preventable birth defects. And I know, like in my case with my daughter, not all birth defects are preventable. Mm-hmm. But there are steps that you can take to minimize the risk of birth defects by taking certain precautions. And they gave six tips. They have a website, uh, marchofdimes.org forward slash birth defects. And on this website, you'll see six tips. The first tip is, you know, where we are right now, we are in some crazy times. We're in a pandemic, right? And so COVID-19 is affecting so many people mm-hmm. on a rapid rate. And if you are a mom-to-be, if you're trying to get pregnant, the number one thing that you should do is to protect yourself from the COVID-19 virus and to follow the recommendations of the CDC, which is washing your hands with soap and water. If soap and water is not available, using hand sanitizer, making sure you're wearing a mask when you go out in public, trying to limit the amount of exposure you have in public places and in large groups and things like that. So Mm -hmm. that's the number one thing is to protect yourself from COVID-19 virus. The second thing is what my doctor here in California, because my husband and I did decide we're going to try one more time for another Uh child. And um, yeah, and so my doctor here, 
she recommended, and I have Kaiser again, um, ironically, but my doctor here said, okay, well, I want you to start taking prenatal vitamins and 400 mcgs at least of folic acid every day before you get pregnant. And when you do get pregnant, take it during the pregnancy. That was something that was never told to me wow. um, as, a, as a mother. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that the CDC recommends, taking mm-hmm. folic acid, mm-hmm. taking prenatal vitamins before you get pregnant and during the pregnancy. And so I knew about prenatal vitamins during, but before I had no clue. And so, you wow. know, these are just some things that help to build your body's, your, your reproductive health and to provide you and your child the best fighting chance to be a mm-hmm. healthy mom and to have a healthy baby. And so that is the second tip. The third tip that they give is making sure you get your pre-pregnancy checkup. Now, you know, one of the things that I realized in the disparities that African-American women face is the access to health care. And so although I know that number three is a tip, making sure you stay up to date with pre-pregnancy checkups, I can't give that tip without also saying the reality that not all women have full free access to health care. And so this tip is for those that do have access to health care those that can access it, making sure you're making those appointments and making it a priority for sure. And those that can't, to find ways that you can access healthcare so that you can stay up to date, stay, get your checkups and things like that. The fourth tip that they had is staying up to date on your vaccinations. The fifth tip that they have is before you get pregnant, <laughs> try, I, you know, try, I say mm-hmm. try, to reach a healthy weight. You know, we're from the South, and we thought moving to California, we were going to be like, oh, okay, this is where all the vegans live. We're going to be real healthy. (laughs) But, you know, what happened is, you know, all this farm-to-table food was like, oh, this is amazing. And next thing I know, I'm like, oh, my God, I gained like 15 pounds. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I need to lose some weight. And then here comes COVID-19, and we're staying Mm -hmm. at home two feet from a refrigerator full of food. It's like, (laughs) yeah, so you should try your best. I'm practicing what I preach. Mm -hmm. Before you get pregnant, try to reach a healthy weight as much as you can. And then the final step is making sure we avoid substances that could harm the baby during the pregnancy. So that's eliminating alcohol drinking, making sure you're eliminating use of any recreational drugs, making sure you are doing the best you can to stay healthy and to give your baby and yourself a fighting chance to be a healthy mommy and have a healthy baby. Absolutely. And like I said, if you want to learn more, you can go to marchofdimes.org forward slash birth effects. All right. Yeah. I mean, I thank you so much for all that information because like I said, my sister just had a baby in the NICU who was born premature, you know, praise God really that he was able to come home and he seems to be doing well so far. But I mean, my heart goes out to you for all the losses for your team Kilgore babies. Um, you know, and for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for being so transparent, but also for sharing, like educating about, you know, like you said, like we have all come to realize this does affect so many more people. And sometimes when you're in that, this is your job, you forget that that there's like actual individual human beings who are like grieving the loss of their baby. So it's nice that, that you've like just been open to share your story, to help others feel less alone, but also thank God for March of Dimes for like giving a a place for these, 
I mean, I didn't even realize you, there are people who don't know to take prenatals or, you know, and I think it's like, that just shows my privilege, right? That like, I didn't even realize it. I mean, I also went to nursing school to be a labor and delivery nurse. So I think that that's where I was mostly educated, but still it just shows my privilege. And I'm just so thankful that you came on and you're just so transparent about all that because I'm sure there are listeners who, you know, may have not known that. And then there's no need to feel silly, but it's just great that there's a spot where you can go to find all the things that you can do to prevent birth defects. And so since January is birth defects prevention month, I really did want to just encourage people to go to marchadimes.org to be able to just educate yourself. You don't know unless you go and, you know, educate yourself. So thank you so much again. And I'm so happy to hear about your little girl. And I'm sending you all the sticky baby dust because I'm just I'm hopeful that you can have another amazing little kiddo. But in the meantime, enjoy your daughter. <laughs> well, I thank you so much. And thank you, too, for having me on and giving me this opportunity to share my story. And, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to do this, like I, I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse. I don't have the uh, academic background of knowing, you know, different medical things and stuff like that. But what I do have is a story and I can create a platform. And so I appreciate you all for allowing me to share my story on your podcast and giving me that opportunity to share. Because my hope is that somebody who does have all those things will hear this and say, you know what, I have been given the tools, the resource, the education, the intellect to fix this. And I'm going to do it. So that is my hope. That is my goal that someone will hear this and be willing to get on board to help make those statistics start to decrease quicker than they are now. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. Wow. So much information. I think that that was such an honest, heartwarming interview at, that we just haven't had the chance to have in a really long time. So it was so mm-hmm. great to have Danny on. Talk about someone having a hardship and really, really making the most out of it and helping other women and Absolutely. helping other families. I mean, that's just incredible, the work that she's doing. And quite frankly, March of Dimes. I mean, they they are a force in, in their own. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for hanging with us all day today for Hot Marriage Cool Parents. I say all day, but it's been like an hour and a half. (laughs) We are so pumped because next week, of course, we're going to have the very opinionated Doug and Bonnie on, but another special guest coming. It's a surprise. I cannot wait for you to find out who it is. Yeah. And until then, you can find out everything Hot Marriage Cool Parents by going to our Instagram page, or Jamie N. Otis, or at Doug Hainer. And if you have kiddos, I highly recommend hanging with the Hainer kids on YouTube. Uh, Should be a lot of fun, and uh, Henley is adorable. And please do leave us a five-star review, because I absolutely love rating them. It literally brightens my day, and we can't wait to give you a shout-out when you do. Yes, and wear a mask, and we love you. Yes, we love you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye.